You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. We are starting a brand new series entitled My Story, and that's what is that's really what this series is about. So you're going to get to hear uh, not only from myself, but next week, uh, Pastor Brandon Henson, who has led worship for us a couple times, is coming to preach and to give his story. And then you'll hear some stories from people within our family, within our congregation. And we're just going to see what it looks like when God intervenes and does something in the lives of his people. And you may be thinking, like, why is this important? Why is it so important that we understand what our story is? And does it really matter? Does it really help anything? Does it really make a difference in life if we begin to share stories? So we are coming up this month, actually, with life groups. Our life groups start back towards the end of August. And one thing you'll realize if if you haven't been in a life group, and one thing you already know if you have been in a life group, is that sharing stories with one another is super pivotal in the life of believers. Because what it does is it helps us get to know each other. It helps us get to celebrate with each other. It helps us get to to feel emotions with each other, to pray for one another, and to ultimately just do life together. So we get to share these stories with people. But as we're going to see over these next four weeks, a lot of times, even in the midst of Christian community, we're not very authentic with those stories, because we really don't want people to know what we've been through, what we're going through, or what we're thinking about. Because we're ashamed, or there's some guilt, or there's something going on in our minds keeping us from being authentic and real. So, I don't know if you've ever heard the word testimony before. We sing about that sometimes, and and we say that, hey, this is my testimony that God has taken a sinner and brought that dead sinner back to life because of Jesus, because of the blood of Christ. But again, that's a churchy word that sometimes just we don't really grasp the concept of what a testimony really is. And I just want you to understand this morning that testimony is simply your story. It's what God has done in your life. So your testimony will look different than my testimony. And this morning, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you because I'm going to share my story towards the end of this message. But before we get there, I think it's important that we understand why. What's the big overarching purpose of sharing our story or having a testimony? And we see in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 12, it says this, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11 says this, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak this morning through your spirit. God, I pray that as we begin to unpack 
what it really means to share our faith, to share our story, to, to share our testimony, we understand the power that is in it because of you. I pray that you speak to hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see really quickly there's two keys to victory over Satan. So this passage of Scripture is talking about how Satan tries to accuse believers. He tries to, to not only accuse believers, but to deceive believers. And what this passage is saying is, hey, there's victory over Satan by two things. The blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So let's break these two down. Number one is the blood of the Lamb. And what the blood of the Lamb does is it overcomes Satan's accusations. I want you to hear me this morning. That if you're following Jesus, Satan will accuse you of something. And how does he do that? Because what, what it doesn't look like is this, this fiery being with horns coming out and showing up at your house and telling you how bad of a person you are or that you'll never amount to anything or that you can't follow Jesus or that Jesus will never love you. That's not what it looks like. It looks like Satan getting into your mindset, getting into your thoughts and making you feel those things that I just said. He makes you feel like you'll never amount to anything. He makes you feel like you'll never be good enough. He makes you feel like you're unworthy to be loved by the creator of the world. He'll make you feel like it's too late for you to do anything in this life. He'll make you feel like the trials that we talked about last week, that they'll never end, that you'll just consistently and constantly and always be hurting and be in pain and be emotionally distraught, and be spiritually stagnant, and he just gets in your head, and he makes you feel like you will never be anything other than what you think you are. But guess what? The blood of the Lamb overcomes those accusations. We see in Ephesians 1-7, it says, In Him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Listen, we have redemption through Jesus. Now, we talk about this all the time. We talk about the fact that we are not righteous on our own. None of us are. But when we begin to follow Jesus, the righteousness of Christ is applied to us as believers. And we can say that all day long. And guess what? The enemy's still going to accuse you. The enemy's still going to tell you that you aren't what God says you are. That you aren't righteous. That the blood of Jesus can't cover you. That you're just, you're just not good enough for him. But this is what we know. That that's true, we're not good enough. But he loved us anyway. And we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. So we defeat Satan by the blood of of the lamb. And we see the, the lamb is a very important aspect of this because this was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. This was the perfect substitute for us. So no longer do we have to face death. No longer do we have to face eternity separated from God. We are victorious because of the blood of the lamb. 
because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. The blood, it really emphasizes the death of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone talking about Jesus dying, and some people really believe that it was just symbolic, that he didn't really die. And I want, I want to be very clear this morning that Jesus didn't just suffer, that Jesus died for you. That it wasn't just a, a thing that is written down in a book, that this is something that actually happened. It's an event that took place. Jesus didn't just get beaten and mocked. He was actually crucified and killed for you and for me. And there's power in that. There's power in His blood. Hebrews 9.14 says this, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So the writer of Hebrews is saying this, hey, the blood of Jesus, it gives you a, a clean mind. You now have a new conscience, not to serve sin and death, but to serve Jesus. And that's how Satan is defeated in our lives. Because first of all, Jesus has done everything necessary to defeat Satan. But also that he's given us the ability through the power of his blood to live a life that is honoring to God, to live a life that is, that is filled with purpose, to live a life that is filled with power because of who he is. And then the, the second key to victory is this. It's the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony overcomes Satan's deceptions. Overcomes Satan's deceptions. And, and what does that even mean? How does Satan try to deceive this is how Satan tries to deceive me personally. He tries to make me think that maybe this life is a little better than the life that I'm currently living. Or maybe he, he tries to make me think that if you just had this, your life would be so much more full. Or you're doing this the wrong way, so if you just tweak this just a little bit, then you'll, you'll serve God better. And Satan tries to deceive, but not only that, because of the accusations that he's making, he tries to deceive you into doing stuff because of who he accuses you to be. So if he accuses you and says, hey, you're not worthy, then he tries to deceive you to do things that are unworthy of a Christ follower. And if he can get us thinking that, hey, we're really not good enough, then it's really easy for him to deceive us into doing the things that he wants us to do to separate us from the, the intimacy and the connection that we have with the Savior. But guess what? We have a testimony. We have a testimony, and our testimony is this. Our testimony is, hey, we once didn't know Jesus, and we live life a certain way. We thought a certain way. We acted a certain way. We talked a certain way. We, we planned a certain way. We thought about the future a certain way. And then God shows up. We experience the power and the transformation of a relationship with Jesus. And then our life changes. The way that we act changes. The way that we think 
changes. The way that we talk changes. The way that we plan changes. The way that we think about the future changes. Because we've seen God come through already. Here is the best testimony that we can have. Is that we've seen God be victorious already. Amen. Has anybody ever seen God come through in your life? Raise your hand. And because of those moments, we have a testimony to say, hey, we've already seen God do it. And we know that he can do it again. And, and, and again, as we talked last week, maybe we don't feel like he's really doing a whole lot in the middle of the trial. But we get to pull upon the fact that we've seen him do it before. We get to pull upon the fact that, man, we used to be here, then we experienced Jesus, and now we're here, not because of us, but because of who He is, and because of His power, and because of His love, and because of what He has called us to do in our life. So we get to call upon that fact. In John chapter 9, we see that Jesus heals a blind man. He gets this blind man to, to rub some mud on his eyes, he goes and washes. He comes back and he can see. And then the Pharisees are like, hey, what's going on? This is the Sabbath. I know that Jesus didn't do this work on the Sabbath because that's a sin. We have to keep the Sabbath holy. You can't do any work on the Sabbath. So they're not happy that this happened. In fact, they don't even believe that this guy was really blind to start with. Because they don't want to believe that Jesus just healed a blind man. So they go and they ask people that know him and they say, yeah, this guy was blind. They go to his parents and say, hey, is this your son? Was he blind from birth? And the parents say, yes, he was blind, but I don't know how he began to see. If you want to know, ask him. If you want to know, ask him. And they did, and this is his answer in verse 25. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. Talking about Jesus, one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now... I see. This is his testimony that he was blind. He doesn't know what, what they're talking about. He doesn't understand the, the sinful part of all of this. He doesn't even care about any of that because his story is, I was blind, but now I see. That's his testimony. And you have a story to tell. Man, some of you can say, you know what? I can, I can relate to that because I was blind. And then Jesus gave me the eyes and the sight to see. Some of you are sitting here and say, hey, you know what? I was just, I was in, engulfed in addiction, but now I'm free. I was, I was engulfed in a horrible marital relationship, but God fixed my marriage because we surrendered to him. Man, I had kids that were wandering away from Jesus. And I saw God bring them back. I myself was on a path of destruction. But guess what? I saw God bring me back. There's stories everywhere. Testimonies to say, hey, you know what? I was blind. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. You can say whatever you want. You can think whatever you want. This is what I know that I was blind, but now I see because of Jesus. 
And that's a powerful testimony. And this is why we can, we can give facts of, of the Bible and we can just throw these different, just straight up knowledgeable facts to people. And that's great. Some people will remember those and some people won't. But I want you to hear this this morning that facts fade, but stories stick. So when we tell people stories, they can relate and it resonates with them. Because people want to know what he's really done for you. He wants to know, people want to know what he's done for me. You can read scripture and you can beat people over the head with scripture. And I'm not telling you not to, not to share scripture with people. What I'm telling you is that the facts will fade from people's minds, but stories stick. That people want to be able to connect with you because that's how they can connect to the Father. So how do we share our story? How can we really share our faith? And it's just really quick three ways that we could do this. Number one is we just tell people about our life before Jesus. The second thing is we just tell people what the experience was like when we began to follow Jesus. And then we tell people what our life's been like since we started following Jesus. So before, the moment, and then after. And that's how we share our faith with people. And I'm going to share my story with you, and I've shared some of it before, but I grew up in church Again, and I say this because it's the truth. I was there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every fifth Sunday, Southern Gospel Sing. Every, every day, there was a daycare and a school at my church that my family was really big in. So I was pretty much there every day of my life. My granddad was a pastor. I just, I grew up learning about Jesus, which is a great thing. But at the same time, it can really be detrimental if you don't understand what it looks like to, to live out your own faith. Because you begin to think that because of your family's faith, then you have your own. And that's really where I was. And I was about 14 or 15, I'm not sure exactly the age, and we were doing a youth Sunday, which is just a Sunday where the youth lead everything that's going on in service. So the youth did the music. The, the youth did probably some little skit that was probably horrible, but everybody clapped and acted like it was good. And then they asked me to preach for the youth Sunday. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be great. This is good. I was a pretty arrogant person growing up. Believe that or not, I was. I was just really full of who I was. I thought that I was a cool person, that I was uh, a really cute person. I thought that I was a really charming person. I thought that I could do anything that I wanted to do, I could do it. Not because of God, but because of me. Because of who I was, because of my athletic ability or my talking ability or whatever it may be. So I was getting ready to preach for this Youth Sunday. And I was getting nervous. It was getting closer to time. And I really wanted to present the gospel because to me, not for Jesus, 
But for Dustin, I, I thought it would be awesome if somebody got saved on Youth Sunday while I was preaching. Man, how awesome would it be if I preach my first Sunday and somebody gets saved and then it just confirms that I'm better than the pastor, right? I'm 15, 16 years old, but I'm better. So that will confirm it. So I'm, I'm on the playground. Yes, 15, 16 year old on a playground. Again, I was at, I was up there every day and I was just swinging on the swings and I was thinking, man, I'm going to give this amazing altar call, this amazing invitation where I'm going to ask people if they really know who Jesus is, if they really have a relationship with him. Now, up until this point of my life, again, I wasn't a horrible person. And that's what we tell ourselves. Man, I wasn't a horrible person. Man, that, part, that guy's story is way worse than my story. But here's the truth. No matter how horrible I thought I was or how horrible I was to the worldly standard, measured up to the perfection and the holiness of God, I was filthy because of sin. And my sin looked different than other people's sin, but my sin was, again, arrogance. My sin was, man, I cared about people to a certain extent, but if it would benefit me, I didn't really care if I hurt people as long as it did something for me personally. Man, I was never really on drugs. I never really uh, drank a whole lot. I never really did any of that stuff. But I thought I was a Christian because I went to church all the time. Because my parents loved Jesus or because my granddad was a pastor. Or because I was about to preach this youth Sunday. So I'm sitting there swinging and I'm thinking about this invitation and I just get this overwhelming sense of, of just guilt and shame and confusion. Like, man, you're about to tell people that they need to give their life to Jesus. But have you ever done that? Have you ever truly given your life to Jesus. So then I start thinking because again, it's all about me at this point in my life. I'm all about Dustin. So I'm trying to think at this point, how can I convince myself that I've already done this? Because when I was seven years old, I walked down front. That's all I remember of that situation. I'm guessing I prayed. I got baptized either the next week or the week after. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, so I've done that. But then I began to really analyze that moment. And at 16 years old, I can't remember. And I'm not saying it's like this for everyone. There's people that got saved at seven years old, and they know that they got saved at seven years old. But for me, I didn't remember that moment. I didn't remember if I meant that, if I said a prayer, what that even looked like in my mind at seven And in that moment, I realized, man, I've probably never given my life to Jesus because I'm convinced that when you do that, it's, it's a moment that you don't forget, even at seven. So I really believe that if I would have given my life to Jesus at seven years old, I wouldn't have forgotten that moment. 
So I'm sitting there on this swing on this playground a week away from preaching and the Spirit draws me to Jesus. And on that playground, I said, hey, I'm supposed to know how to do this. Like, I'm kind of, you know, I'm about to preach. I'm about to give an invitation. So... Yeah, I want to give my life to you. Still trying to be really cool about it because that's just who I am. Nobody else was there, but I still wanted to be cool because it's real. It's, it's important that God thinks that you're cool, okay? And that's how I felt. That's what I thought. But in that moment, I truly gave my life to Jesus. That's when I began to truly follow after him. And I wish I could tell you that it's all been great since then and that I haven't messed up and that life's been amazing. But that's not the truth. So guess what? I have more stories to tell. But one thing that did happen is that I stopped really just focusing on Dustin so much and I began to understand that this life is more than about me. But that arrogant personality would creep back into my life years later. And it caused more trouble. And it caused trouble with my, with my marriage. It caused trouble in ministry. And then guess what? I, I got to see God come through again to where, man, it would have been really easy for me to lose not just my marriage, but my family. It would have been really easy for me to to lose any type of ministry opportunity whatsoever. And I really thought that that's that's what was going to happen. And I was a new husband, a new father, and I had no clue what I was doing. But I focused more on myself than I did on my wife or my daughter. I focus more on the work of ministry than the why of ministry. But guess what God did? He came through in that situation. And now by His grace, I've been married over 10 years. By His grace, I have three kids now instead of one. Looking back, maybe we should have stopped. But I love all three of them. And by His grace, He didn't pull me out of ministry. Because He said, hey, I have a calling for your life, and this is your calling. But you have to stop being selfish and arrogant. You need to start following me even more intimately. And I can look back seven, eight years ago and see how God has just continued to change my heart, continue to change my mindset, continue to change my life, continue to change my marriage and the way that I father my kids and the way that I lead other people and the way that I pastor this church. Because guess what? It's not about me. This life is all about Him and all I want to do 
is make him famous and give him glory. And, and, and I still mess up. But my story is that there was this guy that only cared about himself that faced some really, really difficult times. That faced a lot of accusations from Satan. And guess what? Without Jesus, those accusations were 100% true. And I had to realize that it's because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony that I could have victory over Satan. And the same is true for you. You've been somewhere that God has brought you out of. And we have to believe that He's going to do it again. We know that He can do it again. And that's, that's the importance of our testimony. That's the importance of sharing our story because when you share your story, maybe whoever you're sharing it with has a similar situation and they can draw off of what you're saying. Hey, God has done that for them. I wonder if He can do that for me. And we get to look at people in the eyes and say, He can do that for you. And as we close this morning, I just want you to, to think about living life with other people and being in a life group and sharing these stories with each other. And then what it does is it sharpens one another. That we get to, we get to really see the, the heart of people. And we get to see what God's done in someone else's life. Because guess what? I could tell people that my marriage was, was struggling, that my marriage was, was almost over, but God did this and He brought us to here. We celebrated 10 years in March and maybe they're struggling in their marriage and they're thinking, well, what did y'all do? How did God bring you from there to here? And we get to share that story with people. Or maybe you have been freed from addiction because of Jesus. And there's other people struggling with addiction and you get to tell them how God delivered you. Or maybe physically you, you went through some pain. You went through a horrible situation. Maybe you were near death and you saw God bring you from that. And someone's dealing with the same thing right now. You can encourage them with your story. And maybe people don't know Jesus at all. Maybe they've never really cared anything about the Bible. Maybe they go to church on Sunday and the preacher is preaching and they really, they, they hear the facts, but maybe there's no stories being told. Maybe there's no, there's no real practical faith being shared. And I'm not saying that happens at all churches. I'm just giving you an example. And because this person really doesn't understand anything about Jesus, they hear facts and they hear these, these things that we would hope would prompt them to a relationship with Jesus. They can't connect with those facts. 
But once someone shares their story with them, that's something they can connect with. That's a way that they can truly begin to understand that God isn't just some big creator God who doesn't care about us, but he's a God who restores marriages. He's a God who breaks the chains of addiction. He's a God who heals bodies. He's a God who takes dead people and brings them back to life. And when we begin to share our stories with others, we see the Spirit begin to work in the lives of people all around us. And when we begin to live life in community in these life groups, we get stronger and stronger because of the stories we share with one another. Because we really get to live life together. And I love my life group. My life group is, man, they're like, this kind of, just kind of some blood that's just pumping, you know, into my body. Because they're so special to me because we've shared stories with each other. Because we know when we need to pray for one another. We know when we need to fight for one another. We also know when we need to correct one another. But our story is important. We defeat the enemy by the blood of Jesus and by the word of our testimony. And next week, Pastor Brandon is going to talk about really how to be authentic with each other and confessing sin to each other. And that's something hard, right? It's hard for us to do that. But it's so important. And he's going to explain why it could be life-changing to be authentic with each other. And we have, we have people hurting in, in this room right now in various ways. We have people hurting outside of this place that are a part of our family. There's people we know that are hurting. And what I want to do is I just want to end the service with, with some prayer with some real fervent prayer for people. For you, but also for the ones that we know are hurting. I have some family members that have COVID right now and they're, they're not too sick, but right now they are a little sick and we're going to pray for them. I'm sure that you know people that are, that are sick. If not with COVID, then with maybe some other illness, I'm sure you know people chained in addiction right now. Now you know people that are hurting physically. Maybe they've been diagnosed with something that's just horrible. We're going to pray for them this morning. And all I'm going to ask you to do is just to, to hold your hand out or hold your hand up, whatever you feel comfortable doing. But I want us to surrender to God this morning as we pray for other people. And I want you to pray this morning like you've never prayed before. I want this to be a real prayer from your heart. We're gonna pray for our community. We're gonna pray that the lost and the hurting and the broken come to know Jesus through the stories that we share. 
Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.